My name is Alex Kashuta, and this is the Subversive Podcast. It's an excuse for me to talk to some of the most interesting people on the heterodox to heretic spectrum. Everyone from iconoclast philosophers to rogue scientists to real post-BuzzFeed journalists and our true intellectual elite, Twitter anonymous accounts. In short, they're quite subversive. Enjoy. Today I'm joined again by Extra Dead JCB, um, a phenomenal poster, a friend, uh, and someone who has a very, very interesting, very, very useful project to to a lot of us on his hands now. Welcome. Good to be here. Thanks. Uh, I'm really happy to have you on again. I've seen, I've, I've watched curiously to see how um, you and I guess now a, a bigger team, this is definitely not a one-man operation that you're running, uh, are building something um, just uh, essentially an, an exit route. Is, is that is that how you would describe it? Yeah, um, basically, it's a it's a fraternal organization. For the goal is to help each other become robust to all these sort of backdoor forms of coercion that uh, you know we have. We have the Constitution in, in the United States that guarantees us certain rights uh, rhetorically on paper. Um, but you know, if, if you've got your livelihood and your kid's health insurance and, you know, everything else dependent on saying the right things and having the right opinions, then the, the, you know, what the government can or can't do to you is kind of irrelevant. And so the, the purpose of exit is to help people become financially independent, become food independent, you know, um, to, to learn how to use crypto and, and be able to be you know independent from the monetary system to whatever extent is you know feasible. And so it uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just interested in any anything that helps people get away from their enemies, uh, means of coercion, you know so yeah that's that's uh, we, we've got about 120 members now um, and I want to say like 90 or so, experts who, uh, you know, have volunteered to mentor in, you know, whatever field, whether they're, you know, we've got one guy who runs a crypto VC. We've got one guy who, um, <clears throat> does reputation management. We've got tons of software developers, um, guys who do farming, you know, uh, so it's just, it's a group of guys that are really committed to, uh, teaching each other and helping each other get out. Okay, and this is um, limited to to male members at the moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's sort of um, we talked about a little bit of this last time I was on the show. You know, I think that exit is important for women too, but the the offering. I I, I wouldn't want to direct a woman into some job. Um, and, and, and so the, the, the strategy for women in that environment is just so radically different that I think that someone should be providing that, but that's not what we're doing. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that, that that makes sense. No, it wasn't it wasn't a gotcha. It's just uh, you know, you're talking about a fraternity, and I think you know it it, it does make sense, especially coming from I guess it, is it embedded in any sort of formal religious context? This uh, fraternity, or is it just essentially just a fraternity without any uh, boundaries to to who can join? No, I mean, well, uh, not that there's no boundaries to who can join, but there's not religious boundaries. Um, it's uh, you know, essentially anyone who's on board with the mission. And willing to willing to contribute um, is is welcome. Um, I, I think it it appeals to people whose religious views are uh, are a target right now. Um, but no, there's not like a there's not like a creed. <laughs> cool. Yeah. No, I think that that definitely makes sense. I know so many people and so many you know, religious and para-religious and even like people, you know, like me who are ex- ex-rationalists or ex-rational, kind of still tied into rationalism in some way or, or another, who are interested in, in in this type of, yeah, exit, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, th- coming back to the question, the, the the big question, you know, it seems that this organization is a, is a testament to your faith in uh, in voice. <laughs> is, is, is your faith in voice none or small or slight or you know what's what, what level are you at are you two out of ten <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i think somebody somebody said you know these these conservatives are trying to create a world where they don't have to have any dialogue with liberals and and my response to that was no i actually I actually very much would like to get back to a place where we can have dialogue, but that means, you know, they got to get the gun out of our face. Like we, we can't have a conversation where our, you know, our, our livelihood is constantly under threat if we, if we say the wrong thing. And so part of getting back to a healthy conversation as a country, as a people, if that can happen at all, it has to start with, our people becoming robust to coercion so that they can speak freely. And uh, so like, you know, I think if nothing changes and if people do not do things to secure uh, their rights and, and carve out space for themselves, uh, then yeah, voice is done. There's no, there's no participating inside that system. Um, But that doesn't mean, you know, it's really easy to like catastrophize about the state of things because it's, it's, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a lot can change in, in a relatively short amount of time. Um, I, I think I've been, I've been surprised personally to see how many otherwise normal people are, are waking up to our situation and I mean, even a couple of these guys who were like the globe emoji types, a couple of years ago um, are saying things that would have been uh, that would have marked them as essentially frogs um, back then. And so, yeah, I'm not going to like prophesy that it's going to change, but I think the odds that it's going to change in a, in a healthy way are pretty good. Yeah, I I agree, and it's it's interesting because you know I'm I'm an, an adherent of uh, of elite theory as many people are in, in our circles, and it it does kind of trickle down, and I feel like there's quite a, 
a cohort of based people at the top now and in places that might not necessarily be transparent to everyone, you know, this is, you know, shadowy deal bucks type things, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> I, I swear I'm not a part of, but I have heard that things are happening. <laughs> people tell me, uh, or that, you know, certain people are based and, uh, and, you know, based in the sense that they're, concerned they're not just based like oh you know i'm based and then you know i'm i'm just going to continue going on they're they're really concerned and um you know they're talking to other people in their circles about it and it does i feel like it does trickle down and yeah. um there is there is usually a point of no return when these preference cascades flip um and to me obviously being in these circles i do tend to think that you know there the, the the moment is approaching but also it could not be i don't know what's what's your what's your feeling about this what what time is it i mean yeah you like it's, it's sort of like timing a crash like you can say that it's coming but you know that uh that big short guy um had to had to uh, turn off his uh turn off his clients access to their money while they waited for the market to crash on them. Um, it's, 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 I mean, something is going to change. Something is going to change. A lot of people prognosticate based on like the current trajectory and they say like, Oh, this isn't sustainable. This is so awful, but also let's extrapolate it a century into the future and assume nothing changes. And, and my, my attitude, I mean, you get the same thing with like, um, environmental catastrophism or like Malthusian catastrophism, like, like what, what if current trends continue, you know, into the foreseeable future? Like, wouldn't that be a disaster? It's like, well, they won't, they, they can't. And so, never have. um, never have. So, so I definitely think like I was talking about, um, Mark Milley the, the general that, you know, is talking about white rage now. Um, and you know, people forget two years ago, he was in his, you know, army costume marching with Trump during the, during the riots. And like these, these people are not, they're not ideologues. They're, they're survivors and they're cowards. And, um, so yeah, they'll they'll go whichever direction they get pointed, and um, yeah, I mean, it, it, what I think we're waiting on is there. There are a couple. Uh, just, there's a little bit of like new blood in the GOP that I think um, has the potential to drive a real change. So like, this is how confident I am in voice. I'm talking about GOP politicians, like there's hope there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I <laughs> but, but, you know, I hear the types of things that like Joe Kent is talking about and Blake Masters. Um, they're clearly following our guys. They're clearly reading our tweets. They're, they're clearly responding to that energy. And, um, you know, it's just a question of, how kind of how kind of gangster they're willing to be about it i mean you know are they are they are they willing to take it all away and you know um yeah yeah it wasn't I, the guy <laughs> yeah sorry to to interest you there but yeah i i completely agree i feel like you know there there's power hanging there there's power in the air 
But I also feel yeah. like, you know, it's kind of, you know, that 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 old mold bug thing, you know, like the, the dog chasing the car. And when the car stops, I really hope that, you know, whoever, whoever is there knows what to do, because uh, yeah. it, the exercise of power is not something uh, a lot of leaders, even even business leaders are um, are used to. And in, in that at that level. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to have to be an exercise of power outside the previously defined rules of the system. And so in order to, in order to have any kind of optimism about the future, you have to be imagining someone who a is willing to exercise that kind of like technically extrajudicial, extra legal uh, fiat just on the basis of like the will of the people, um, a Cincinnatus type. Um, so someone who's willing to exercise that kind of power, but who's also not going to do anything with that power that we would consider untoward. And that's, you know, like pe- people talk about like, uh, DeSantis or, or, or some of these other politicians. And it's like, when I think of what they would have to do to get us out of this, it's like, well, I barely know that guy. Like, I'm not, I'm not real convinced about like, and the same is true with like, with Joe Kent and all them, you know, like this sort of, they're sort of new celebrities. And like, I guess what I'm saying is people are noticing that the throne, that the crown of France is on the ground. (laughs) And, um, someone is going to pick it up, uh, you know, knock on wood, we hope. Um, but then there's, then there's another level of like, is that going to be a good, a good guy, you know, or our guy, uh, remains to be seen, but I'm optimistic. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, a, a lot of people are kind of scared of this idea and, and, and scared of even discussing it. And that's that's why, you know, a lot of times, you know, people call me a fascist and the people I invite on the show, uh, you know, they're fash. But the idea is, my idea is that it, it was never not, you know, the case that this this, this was happening. So, you know, it, yeah. Every time you had, even now, this this is the status quo, but people don't see it. You know, the, there there is power, uh, but it's unaccountable. It's distributed. Even the powerful are powerless by you know. It's it's just you know the the this, the the many headed hydra, uh, and right. you know it, it needs to be decapitated. And the best way has always been through some you know great man of history. It, it it just does not happen in any other form. So it it, yeah. you know, it it could be someone obviously with checks and balances, whichever way that that's going to happen, kind of. But also, um, yeah, it, it will have to be that. I mean, they're, they're ultimately someone's going to have to undistribute that power, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and and that's a scary that's a scary prospect. But like the thing about Trump was that everybody, and I, I still feel it like, you know, I, I, I am clear eyed about what happened on January 6th and, you know, he did, he did get people in trouble and hang them out to dry. And, um, so like he clearly was not the guy, but, but the, the nostalgia that I have for that time was the, the unity that so many people felt around him, the, 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 the faith and the hope that they placed in him 
turned out to have been misplaced, but that those people are still here and they are still, you know, in spite of some disillusionment because of what happened, um, they're still waiting for, for somebody to show some courage. And, um, do you think and that's what gives me hope. Do you think if, if Trump was someone more like, you know, the ideal, you know, Blake masters, if he's everything that everyone thinks he is, (laughs) um, could he have done more more or at least you know significantly more for his constituency or was you know was were his hands tied so much that you know whatever the the contents of of the man it, it would have been uh, a similar outcome well you needed i think i think the the clownishness of trump was necessary at the time i think that i think that there had to be we're so irony poisoned as a, as a people. Um, I think that he had to be a little bit of a goof to give us permission to make all those God emperor memes and, um, and, and to, to have our tongue in our cheek and, and sort of dare people to take us seriously. Um, and I think the, the next phase is like, okay, let's get real. Um, like I, you know, I still, I still think on the whole, he was good for the country in terms of the things that he exposed and the things that, uh, because they had to go knives out for him. Like they, they, they had to, they had to tip their hand Mm. in a lot of ways. And he, and he forced that out of them, um, by being the sort of obnoxious troll that he is. Um, and so like to say, would it have been different with a different guy? I don't think a different guy would have worked in the beginning. Mm -hmm. First of all, I still believe that, you know, (laughs) um, a lot of people, a lot of sort of true cons, um, made the argument during the 2016 election that like the mainstream media propped up Trump, um, in order to throw the election to Hillary, because who would, who would vote? for such a buffoon. Um, and I think that's true. I think they just miscalculated how much, what the depth of feeling on the right that like, um, I think that they, they did intend to, to throw the GOP primary to a ridiculous candidate. Um, but, but the energy is such that even a guy that ridiculous, just because he was at least rhetorically unambiguously on our side, mm-hmm. um, you know, that lady talking about, or, or when he, when he said, I, I could, I could shoot somebody on main street and they'd still vote for me. That was true. Yeah, that's true. And he's the, the only guy who stepped out of frame and he held frame <laughs> as, as our manosphere friends would say, he right. his own <laughs> frame. And he was also not in the leftist frame because that the, the problem with, uh, with a lot of conservative politicians is, is there, they're groveling, even when they're trying to, you know, uh, exude confidence. They're, right. you know, they're they're groveling for ten years ago in in terms of what uh, with the the scraps from from liberals. You, yeah. can't, you can't be confident from a position of, of such weakness, and everyone can smell it. And there's obviously not going to be, you know, electoral, you know, excitement about I don't know Mitt Romney's and McCain's and things like that. Right. 
you know, he, he, he's, he's sort of the electoral equivalent of the, you know, like piss and cum groiper account on Twitter. Like, like those guys, everybody, everybody in our sphere who is, uh, semi-serious and respectable, all the guys who are, who are, uh, filtering up into, um, not mainstream, but, but positions of actual influence, that whole space exists because of the Groiper type. Um, and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a diversity of tactics guy. I think all of it needs to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not like, you know, whose approach is right. And that's, that's sort of the answer to your question about Trump is, is, uh, you had to have both and now it's time for something else. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't take that to mean that like, uh, in 2024, it should be DeSantis and not Trump. Um, I don't know that we have a, a better candidate who's sort of ready for prime time in that slot than Trump. Um, but I think in terms of, uh, picking up the ball, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be other people. I mean, if for no other reason than he's just, he's just getting really old. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I uh, I recently read, like, I think it was the last essay that, that Curtis Yarvin wrote as a response to his COVID uh, essay conspiracy, um, <laughs> um, I don't know, yeah. backlash. And he had a, he had an interesting line there. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to look at my phone quickly just because I screen, screenshot it. It was like, a, it, it, did, it did make sense to me, even though I, I didn't really, I didn't jive with his, uh, with his COVID post because, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not very into COVID to be honest, but, uh, yeah. Um, I like this one. I think, I think it's true what he says here. If, is this true in the con- specifically in the context of COVID maybe, but I think it's, it's true in general. Um, it is safest to assume that when you're out of power, your goal is to build power, not use power. True, there are real opportunities for dissident collective action, but your monkey mind wants to see these opportunities so badly that not a hundredth of them are real as just by basic inescapable military logic. Um, and that's kind of my my fear as well, you know, because he, he is right in a way that there's um, kind of this, this accusation of quietism he gets a lot, but you could see this with January 6th. You could see this with a lot, even a lot of the CRT uh, pushback. Um, you know, it's it's very hard to actually implement a lot of that stuff. And it does, you know, create boogeymen. You just create boogeymen everywhere. So um, I don't know. Yeah. I wonder what, what your feeling is a, about this statement of his, like that there are many mirages. So, yeah, I mean, in general terms, that's what exit is for. This this group, the the, the philosophical underpinning of this was... Uh, We've got all these guys who want to do something, who want to move the ball. Um, why isn't anybody doing it? Well, they're not doing it because they don't have the capacity. They don't have that their 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 day job is sucking up like not only their energy, but it's also um, making them afraid to say what they think. And so, the the goal of exit is to build a critical mass of people who do not have those, uh, those chains on them. It's about building, building capacity, not exercising capacity. And that's, uh, it's, it's funny to hear 
mold bugs say that because I've used almost exactly those words in, you know, a dozen phone calls about this. Mm -hmm. Um, because people will call me and they'll be like, uh, you know, I don't know about, uh, this group because I don't really want to be in like a fed posty right wing, like space. And what I always tell them is like, that's exactly what we're not. Um, and it's not about quietism. It's not about hiding in the woods. It's about doing practical things. And we do, we keep the conversation relatively practical in the, you know, we're not talking about, you know, uh, we're not even talking about like organization or activism at this point, we're talking about raising chickens and um, learning Python and what's the expat situation like in the Balkans or, um, you know, how do I learn to weld? How do I start a junk hauling business? Um, because that's the capacity. That's, that's how you, that's how you build um, freedom. Again, you can't just demand it. Like so many, so many um, conservative or right-wing conversations about this is like, we need to, they seem to view the, the possibilities as like, either we can vote or we can like go get shot by the cops. And, and it's like, there's a whole range of ways for you to build and exercise power that have nothing to do with any of that. And, um, so yeah, that's that. I think, I think Moldbug's absolutely right. Um, at least in context of that quote, I mean, and, and ultimately Moldbug's, uh, smugness about COVID and a bunch of other things is rooted in the fact that his actual deep principles, like the, his lifestyle, the way he would like the world to be is not really wedded to any like religious principle that he can't compromise on. Like, you know, with us, it's, it's, you know, we have these commitments that we, we, can't compromise on. And for him, it's very much like Machiavellian, like what would I do to build and maintain power? And it's like, well, yes, if that's all you believe in, then it does make sense to like keep your head down, infiltrate the system, say whatever lies you need to tell. Like I I get where he's coming from there. That's just not our situation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it it makes sense from from his perspective. I think he's you know he's he's essentially an aristocrat. He's he's always been one. I don't think he's ever denied it. And sure. he lives the you know the the life and the life of the mind of the aristocrat. You know, and <laughs> uh, he's obviously proud of it. He's not he's not at all ashamed of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean that makes sense. I think you know a, a lot of his efforts, in a way, are to describe you know what is going wrong. Um, in politics in general, to analyze the nature of power, but also to muse on the idea of a regime that would be just for people that are unlike him, which is which is quite you know, it's quite nice in, in terms of in terms of his station and in, 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 in his position because uh, sure. a lot of people would not really care. But yeah, that's you know, I just wanted to say you know, Yarvin's also you know, kind of an interesting thinker in, in, in that sense. Um, oh yeah, I'm I am I am a mold bug respecter, even uh, you know, even with all the COVID stuff. Like I I I, I disagree with this. T- and that's another thing. Like we're so. 
even on our side, it's like, people can't just be wrong. Yeah. Like they, they have to be, they have to be feds or they have to be disingenuous or like, I don't know, like, you know, my, my attitude is, and they do this with, they do this with Joe Rogan. They do this with Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Um, with BAPS as well. With BAPS. Yeah. Anytime, anytime BAPS steps out of line in their, in their view, it's like, my attitude is if somebody has like, if somebody's ever made me think an interesting thought, if somebody's ever opened something up for me, like that is so rare that like, I want to keep that guy around and see if that ever happens again. He can be wrong every other time, but like, you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. We're so, we're so short on, especially in our, in our time, there's such a dearth of, of creative energy and vitality and insight that like anybody who can produce that is precious. And so, yeah, like, um, Moldbug is, is always going to be important to me just because of like any of, any of a dozen things that he's uh, said. Um, and like, he can be wrong and that's fine. (laughs) You know what I mean? And like you said, you know, Jordan Peterson is such a, you know, he's been an, an, gateway for a lot of smart people to come into these circles and some Absolutely. people are just going to be you know just going to be the, the the marijuana of intellectual curiosity <laughs> or what the the cough syrup you know and it's fine some people need that you know i'm sorry to, to turn this into a dark direction but you know this is uh there there are levels people so um it's 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 absolutely fine oh, yeah. yeah and and you know i think i think it's also cloud chasing you know it's People are just want to piggyback because I see these like I don't know five follower accounts just tearing into I don't know BAP or um, who who yeah, like what have you accomplished like what what's your what's your contribution Yeah, but it's you know it's it's interesting. Beef is interesting. I I try to stay away from it, but sometimes people just drag me into it, and I I get it. Really <laughs> cool. it well, it's it's something you want to follow. Like that's you know that's what I do at night. You know, but when when the baby wakes me up, I just scroll Twitter, and it does it does seem that you know beef is the thing I tend to to look up more than other things to see. Oh, why where are these people? <laughs> so yeah. So, well, and I, yeah. there's also this um, part of part of BAP's character and, and that a lot of our sort of sphere has, has emulated is this, um, haughtiness and, um, yeah, just, 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 uh, disdain. And because of that character, like if they, if they get criticized, they kind of are in a, in a situation where they sort of have to, um, clown on you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, I, I get in the sense that like, you know, people get emotional about that. Um, but it's <laughs> ultimately like, that's just going to be part of the game is it, like, you, you have to understand that like, um, well, first of all, pe- people often will like ask me to like explain my takes and it's like, I don't know you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like go back and forth with you on like, you know, this thing that you just don't get and probably aren't going to get. And like, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I'm being arrogant, but <laughs> I, I definitely understand where that comes from. 
Yeah. I also think, you know, it's the, it's the, the friend enemy distinction, which people very much uh, adhere to. Uh, sure. And I feel like it, it might be a little bit of, um, you know, like a hair trigger instinct in these, uh, <laughs> in these waters, because like you said, you know, you can have a thousand base takes post cringe once and someone will <laughs> come after you and, you know, label yeah. you dead or you were, you're part of the, you know, you know, the, the out group instantly. Uh, and then it's, it's very hard for you to come back. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's, it seems to me like you, you have now, you have a group where people, I guess, exchange, um, personal information at one point. Uh, I guess there's probably some layers of anonymity, but at one point you do meet up in person. You do talk to, have you? Well, honestly, most of these guys, most of these guys are not really that concerned about doxing. Okay. Like a lot of these guys are fairly regular guys and, and what they're trying to do is not comply with the vax mandate or they just, or they just sort of believe in, I mean, I, I, I told a guy a couple of weeks ago, like, if, if, if someone asked me why I am so committed to getting people out of the corporate environment, um, I could, you know, politics wouldn't even enter into that conversation for like two hours. I could, I could go on and on about why that environment just sucks and is miserable, uh, on its own non-ideological merits. And so a lot of these guys are just, they just don't like the companies they work for and the the things that they're required to support or at least stay quiet about and so in in most cases i think partly the the, the vax mandate woke a lot of people up to like i'm not going to be able to keep my head down like there i'm going to be made to comply this is going to you know it's not a question of of rhetoric um but i think also a lot of those same guys are like, I'm just tired of having to shut my mouth during diversity training. Mm -hmm. And like, there's not, you know, there's no threat to them right now because so far they have kept their mouth shut during diversity training and they don't tweet about it. Um, but they're, they're tired of having to, and they want to get out. And so, yeah, I, I would say at this point, maybe a quarter or a third are anon. Um, but I mean, there's also a substantial cohort of the guys that have already exited and they're here to support and they're here to, to mentor and teach. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know, choose your own adventure. And, and like, I definitely preserve the anonymity of the guys who want to be a non, but, um, yeah, it's, it, it's definitely a, 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 trusted environment in the sense that everybody who comes in has to go through an intake call with me. And, you know, I'm not doing background checks, but the kind of people who are hostile to us are not particularly good at simulating our opinions mm -hmm. and expressing them in a convincing way. Um, and I, I've told the guys, you know, from the beginning, like the odds that somebody someday is going to sneak in here and read your things that you say, you know, among us, it's inevitable. And so you should be careful what you say. But again, the point of this group is not to talk about that stuff. Like my goal is for somebody to get into that group and, you know, <laughs> pay me the fee to get into this group and then, you know, learn a bunch about chickens and crypto and 3d printing and like, 
and be totally bored and then leave. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's definitely anonymity there, but it's not, um, it's not the kind of environment and the kind of conversations where that should even really be necessary. Okay. So you, you haven't gotten any, you know, accusation that this is a, a doxing ring or some, <laughs> some crazy thing. Cause this, this type of stuff, you know, goes around a lot in, uh, in- not that I've heard. I mean, and, and, and ultimately like, I, I don't, um, I have to verify, you know, that someone is who they say they are, but, um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to tell. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I, I guess that could come back and bite me, but it's pretty easy to tell. Like, uh, the, the, the types of guys that we're getting are very clearly committed. They're very like the level of like above and beyond that these guys put in to help each other is like, I don't know, like if you're a fed, like, you know, I guess you're, you're like a really nice fed. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You're converting feds left and right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's the dream, right? <laughs> No, but no, this sounds this sounds extraordinary. And and um, do you guys also have in in person meetups at this point, or is it just all online? So we had one in Utah back in October. I'm planning to do them roughly quarterly, and it was just Utah because at the time that was kind of the critical mass. We had probably 15 guys um, who were able to come to that, and just a good opportunity to to you know get FaceTime with each other. Um, and again, my, like my goal with this is to, is to, if people found out that you were part of this group, it would be like, well, you know, I'm also part of this other entrepreneurship, you know, group where we talk about our side hustles and things. Um, so, so yeah, we, it, it was a lot of fun. We just got burgers and went to one of our guys, one of our guys runs a, uh, he owns a, a wind turbine design and we went to his wind turbine factory and nice. like, you know, learned a little bit about that and, and how that business works and kind of a Mr. Rogers type, like, you know, yeah, uh, watching the, the process. And, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I can hide my excitement, but my, my husband, he's also in like a few of these like mastermind groups with his business. Oh, yeah. And he just loves it. It's like his favorite thing to, to, to go to these things. I'm sure there's boozing and, you know, whatever, but, uh, uh, (laughs) it's also, it's also like he comes back so energized and he's, you know, always kind of scales up his business, you know, the, the few weeks afterwards. So like the, the inspiration and energy that, that men, I guess, I don't know, I haven't been, I haven't ever been to any of these and also I don't really have a great mind for business, but, uh, that, that he gets from this, uh, is, is astounding. So I don't know. It's, it's definitely something that, yeah, yeah there's, there needs to be more of this. I mean, just having, just having people who care about what you're doing is, is a huge help, I think. And, um, our, our most recent, like big win was we had a guy who came into the hot seat because he, so we have hot seat calls where um, somebody has a difficulty and we all bring the brain trust together to try to solve it. And, um, the, the initial idea was that this would be people who are being doxxed or who are about to be fired because of a vax mandate. We've had several of those, but, um, this guy was just like, you know, I'm, I'm running a business and my revenue isn't growing the way that it should be. And I'm actually considering kind of crawling back to a W2 job. And we were all like, well, we don't want that. So, so we, we got in a room together and like, you know, a lot of people just listened because they didn't, 
have like, you know, a brainwave on this topic, but we had three or four sales guys, professional sales guys who were like, you know, why don't you try this, 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 and this. And he took that and, you know, he just reported back that he's on track to double his revenue in a year and he's breaking records every month. And like, um, it really took off for him. And like, there's a component where I want to see people free. I want to see people, um, able to, to set their own terms and, and be the master of their own destiny. And I, like, I guess that is kind of ideological for now, for today, but like what gets me up out of bed in the morning is like, I want our guys to just be happy and successful and capable. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And that's, that's just a, such a, such a good sentiment. I mean, I, I, I love it. Um, what's, was this the beginning of this project prompted by, um, your unfortunate doxing? <laughs> yeah. Um, so back in August, um, well, I guess in July I was, informed ahead of time that I was going to be doxxed. I think they were trying to sort of, I guess, just sort of savor the moment and like make me scared for a little while longer, but it actually gave me some time to, to think. And I didn't have like a great plan, but I knew that I had enough of a network on Twitter and I was a data scientist, which is relatively in demand. I knew that I could, I could work that network and find something, mm -hmm. but I thought, well, if I have this network, why would I just exploit kind of one path through that network and take one thing for me? Why wouldn't I use that whole network? Because, you know, one of the things that I found once the news came out was dozens of people reached out to me and they were like, this sucks. I'm so sorry. I wish there was something we could do. And I remember being in that situation when some of my friends got doxxed because this was a ring that was operating for several months. Um, and I was like dead in the middle of, uh, of the people who were targeted. And I remember being like, well, you know, my friend who's a lawyer lost a job. I don't know any law jobs. Um, so that sucks. I wish I could do something, but I kind of have no idea what to do. And I thought, what if somebody took all of this goodwill and all of this desire to help and sharpened it into something that you could, you know, set somebody up. And, um, I, I essentially woke up the morning that I was fired. Uh, and I knew it was coming, but I was so full of energy. I was like, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I know it's going to work. And, uh, I actually felt, actually felt relieved. I felt, you know, there were, there were moments of anxiety, not, not really about like, you know, how am I going to feed my family? Because again, like I knew that I had lots of ways to do that. And, and I also had a substantial like financial runway, um, for kind of serendipitous reasons. I, you know, I, I think God was in it. I think that, uh, I think that, you know, I, I'd never been sitting on that kind of money before in my life. And I just happened to be, and, uh, it gave me plenty of time to have the confidence to say like, well, you know, I can give this 10 months and if I can't figure it out, I'll go find another job, but that's plenty of time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I actually, um, and that, that really helped with like the resentment because a lot of people 
were like really, really angry on my behalf about this. Like we got to get these people. And, and I, I was sort of like, I felt that we had all sort of participated in a, in a process. We were all complicit. Like I had, there were a million crossroads on my sort of Twitter career where, you know, I could have exposed less of my information or I could have not said this or that thing um, and kept my job. And I realized that if I had actually valued the job, I would not have done that. I would have taken the safer course. But increasingly, the stuff that I was doing on Twitter and the connections I was building there were like the only real thing I was doing in the world outside of my family. Um, Because my job was a joke. And um, even if it hadn't been a joke, even if I was actually contributing to that system, uh, that, well, that would have been worse. (laughs) Like, I, I, I was glad to be doing nothing for those people. So, so anyway, I realized that, that essentially these, these people had helped me to burn my ships and get me out. And so like, I was still afraid of them because like they gave out my address, they gave out like pictures of my family. And like, it was that piece of it was scary because I was like, you know, how far are these people going to take it? Like, what's, what's the next step? Um, but from a, like, you know, you, you stole this wonderful job from out, out from under me. I was kind of like, nah, you know, whatever, let it go. Um, so, so it ended up being a really good experience. And, and I, you know, I got, I got, a there was a, there was a definitely like a cadre of guys on day one who were like, I love this plan. Let's get on it. Let's jump. And so like in the first day, I think I had like 40 signups, nice. which yeah, I mean, that was enough to, that was enough to extend my runway substantially. Um, and, and, you know, now it's at the point where it's, it's paying my basic bills and, and it's, you know, um, I, I can, I can continue to work on it indefinitely and improve the offering. So it's, nice. uh, this is I didn't expect it to go as fast as it did. This is your main job now, isn't it? It is. Yeah. This is, this is what I do. And it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's like a 60 hour a week commitment right now. Um, because it's, uh, lots of intake calls, lots of marketing, um, lots of recording and editing podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can only imagine. Um, it's, it's a lot, but, um, but on the other hand, it, it feels so much easier than doing a nine to five in, in a situation that I hated. So. Absolutely. It's working out great. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, a, a lot of these things are blessings in disguise, um, especially because I feel like a lot of, uh, a lot of people have been kind of been lulled into a very comfortable situation and they feel like any, you know, any shakeup of that situation is, is equivalent to death, but it, it really isn't. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've also, I've kind of, you know, taken the jump, you know, being a, a face poster, I was like, you know, obviously I'm not, you know, saying that I'm, you know, as spicy as the spiciest groupers out there. Definitely not. Uh, and I do sometimes hold back <laughs> being like, you know, maybe, maybe sure. today's not the day I'm going to, you know, jump kamikaze style into, into the, the volcano. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty loose and, um, I don't know, to be honest, like the people that I'm involved with in, in business, they know what I do. They have not been 
necessarily, you know, against it. You know, it's it's not come down on me in a, in a terrible way. Um, I love doing the podcast. Um, some people, you know, dislike the podcast. That's fine. It's just what's going to happen if you're out there. Um, but and it's. Do you good. think that that's? Do you think that that's a function of living in Eastern Europe, where it's a little bit like the, sort of the mores are different? I mean, the, the people that I work with are in, in the UK and, you know, oh, okay. Australia, Canada, different different regions. So um, not really. I think the UK is pretty woke, at least, you know, that's that's my impression of it. And that's essentially kind of um, yeah. what, what slowly red-pilled me <laughs> to, to this point. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, because I was, I was working kind of in a tech tech finance context, context there. And um, it was just, I mean, you can imagine. You can imagine what it was. And it was like biting your tongue every day. And that I really didn't yeah. do that. So yeah, I mean, that's that's where I am now. And uh it's 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 been almost all upside. I mean, uh for for now. Yeah. Some would say that it's because I'm a Fed, but <laughs> that's uh <laughs> I, I mean in my case in my case it actually it actually restored a lot of my faith in average people because um the the consequences that I was maybe the most concerned about were um, losing friends. Yeah. And so far, I mean, anytime that I'm introducing myself, or, like when, when it first happened, anytime I was introducing myself or like uh, seeing people for the first time, it would be like, oh, what do you do for a living? Or how's work? How's the new job coming? And I had to be like, well, you know, I got fired. And why did you get fired? Like, you know, cause you can either be like, well, I was fired because I was incompetent and lie, or you can say, you know, I was, I was fired for saying spicy things on the internet Being a and, um, right wing celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, but I mean, you know, I, I would always be like, look, I was just some analyst for some faceless corporation. Like the fact that I made it onto the guardian pe- people, people kind of had to be like, that's silly. Like, why is that news? Why is that relevant to anybody? And, and so like, you know, we've got neighbors who are other races, other faiths, you know, different, different views and, um, lots of my friends. And so far I've had one person reach out to me and be like, you know, we're not involved with you anymore. And like, but, but they were somebody who there was already a lot of tension about all that stuff. And so it was kind of not surprising and I was not real broken up about it. Um, and then one other friend of mine who I, I do, I do care quite a bit about who has not called me in a while and that, you know, that one hurt, but, but overwhelmingly, um, it's been, I'm realizing that people no longer trust the media in the way that they did even, even 10 years ago. Um, and so the fact that the fact that the guardian called me a racist and a fascist, it just doesn't hold a lot of water with normal people. Um, you know, obviously it's kind of a, you know, who are you going to believe me or your lying eyes type of situation? Like if I'm hanging out with you and you're not white and we are good friends and we're bringing you, soup when you had a baby and like, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's an element of like, come on, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, part of, part of being forced out into the open is learning what people would actually think of you if you were honest with them. And, um, so far that's been pretty good. 
Yeah, I'm I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, I feel like that's that's mirrored my experience as well. I feel like a had a, a few a few friends that I had to be uh, kind of disingenuous with when I was you know with them, and they also kind of yeah they they slowly slipped away from from my life silently. They didn't we didn't have a big confrontation, but it's kind yeah. of clear what happened. You know, it's just uh, <laughs> just seeing. I know that they know about my podcast, and they know that they know about my Twitter feed, um, right. <laughs> and they have not called in about half a year, so I can kind of guess <laughs> what happened right. there. Um, but yeah, no, no, like a hardcore confrontations with anyone, which I think is you know is good. At least you know maybe people are scared to confront me. That's that's a good. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah it's it's it is it is sad to lose friendships but like you said you know there's some people the people who hang around are, are all the more precious because yeah you, you know that they're resilient to 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 whatever's coming so it's a good yeah thing. and I, I actually had i actually had uh one dear friend who an older guy um who is sort of um, you know, we lived in his house for a while and we were very like integrated with his family and, um, someone that I love a lot. And he called me like a week later and was like, why wouldn't you talk to me if you're in this situation? Like, you know, you need to reach out to people who care about you and like, what are you doing? <laughs> that was very, that was very, very encouraging. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of good things, a handful of bad things on the whole. Um, I'm glad it happened. And I, I spoke to, um, one of my friends who I, I kind of consider a mentor in this area because he got doxxed like 10 years ago, um, and is, is self-employed now. And, uh, he told me like everybody I know that's been doxxed, uh, is glad that it happened. Um, because what you rebuild is so much better. Um, because again, like the opportunities that are foreclosed to you by being honest about that, the, the, the opportunities to hang out with the kind of people who would be really irritated with you and the opportunities to work for people who despise those, those uh, values. Like it, it's not that bad of a thing to not have those opportunities. Yeah. And also on, on, on the flip side, like I've never gotten more and more interesting job offers than since, since I've been on Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, stuff that would never could kind of come my way. I mean, I'm not, I'm not interested in getting a, a, a new job. <laughs> Thank you very much. But uh, it's, it's, it's quite interesting how much of a premium people would pay for honesty. Cause that's essentially what I'm, yeah. I'm saying stuff off the cuff, you know, that's maybe was, wouldn't even be so innovative like 20 years ago, but now me just, I'm just blurting out things from the 90s. <laughs> Uh, on my timeline, people are like, "Whoa, look at this beast!" So, <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, I'm just being super, super cool with that. And you know, a lot of people appreciate that. Even in business, you kind of need a little bit of that. <laughs> so, yeah. it, uh, it it does come. You know, it's. I'm not saying that everyone could benefit from this. Um, I also don't want to encourage people to just like jump out there and start, you know, whatever, posting very spicy stuff, you know, expecting the right. job offers, not necessarily a direct line from, from that to that. But uh, if you can, you know, exhibit a certain skill, you know, a certain spectrum of skills, um, that's rare, um, even if it's tied into a bit of a controversial thing, uh, I think it, it could pay off. But yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean... You're absolutely right that like, and, and I, I wouldn't want to give people that idea either that I'm telling them to go, you know, face fag, like just sort of, uh, without preparation as a, I mean, obviously my whole 
this whole group is built around like, don't do that. <laughs> like get your, get your situation squared away first so that you can safely say what you need to say. Because, you know, um, I, I was talking to somebody just yesterday about, um, that type of mentality, like, oh, if we all just sort of storm the Bastille now and we all just come out and say what we need to say, then we'll all be like, the spell will be broken and then they won't be able to persecute all of us. And it's like, that's, nobody's going to follow you. Like that's, that's going to be a really tricky coordination problem. Um, and so we need to, we need to solve that problem in a really, you know, grown up way um, by, by building capacity and by putting people in situations where they can safely do that. Um, and like, yeah, there's, there's definitely, um, pioneers in the space who, uh, take the risk and God bless them. Like that definitely, um, it definitely opens the aperture for the rest of us. Um, but I, I wouldn't advocate that as a general strategy. I think, I think, especially like regular guys and there's tons of regular guys and it's okay to be a regular guy. Like most of those people should get their ducks in order, you know, and then, you know, post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. So um, if, if I were to be a, a dissident person, maybe anonymous and I come to you exit, um, is there kind of a, like a, some, some basics, some areas that you would focus on to, to, to guide me, or is it just kind of a on demand thing? Like I've got problems with this. Tell me what, what to do, or is there kind of a structured program? I mean, essentially what I would, what I would ask them is where are you right now and where would you like to be? Hmm. Um, and that, that in part is professional, but a lot of them are like, well, I'd like to try to live overseas or I'd like to buy some land or I just don't want to work for these people anymore. And I don't really care what I do. Or like, I've always wanted to like learn how to weld. Like it's, it's very much self-directed, but like in terms of the structure of it, you know, we have weekly calls as a, as a full group, we have five smaller groups that meet to talk about various topics. So like there's a tech one, an entrepreneurship one, a homesteading and trades one, a content creator one. So like you can get into groups with other people who just want to talk about that thing um, or who have expertise there. And um, we, we get people together. So a lot of the purpose of these calls that I do with them one-on-one -on -one is to suss out how can you help other people? How can other people help you? And it's a lot of that, those kinds of making connections. And I think part of the value there is like, yes, there are some people who don't want to broadcast their skill set for like doxing reasons, but they do want to make their skill set available to people who, who they can help. And so like I become sort of the trusted node in that system and I connect people. Um, but I think there's also, I, I think even more than that, it's just that guys are sort of uncomfortable making those connections cold and I am not uncomfortable making those connections cold. And so I will, you know, um, bring people together and, um, or they just aren't aware of what the needs are and, and someone's got to keep track of everybody. 
And, um, so, so we make a lot of those connections. We've definitely had guys who have started businesses either for themselves or they've partnered together to start businesses. Um, there's lots of like tech type, um, projects going on, but there's also guys who are starting a carpet cleaning business, learning how to run a landscaping business. Um, it, it kind of runs the gamut, but the, you know, it, it really is. If, if you're, if you're in particular, if you're a dissident on Twitter and you're like, you're like posting and you're afraid of getting fired, my goal would be to get you into whatever kind of entrepreneurship or contract employment makes you the most robust to that, that you're not going to hate. And so, you know, everybody's situation is so different. Like, um, some people are willing to, like, I had one guy who was in enough of a crisis situation and in enough of a high visibility environment that like, our goal was not to get him to the dream job. Our goal was to just hide him out, get him in a place where he's making money, but he's not under the eye of Sauron. And it was very like immediate and practical. We just need to get you another job. Um, but I think for most of these guys who are working a long-term like dream vision, it's, you know, who do you want to be when you grow up? And we just work toward that. Nice. A very, very Jordan Peterson-y, if I may add. I think it's, a you know, the, the, the <laughs> between where you are and where you want to go. That's a, a very important theme in, in the Petersonian universe. Uh, and just to say that, you know, don't, don't write off Peterson yet because he's, uh, he's still important. Um, I don't want to ask you the question of the show because you've already answered the question of the show and I don't want to be mining you for, for, for thinkers every time. So I think I'm just going to continue with this, uh, maybe for another 10 minutes and then, and then we can, we can wrap, but I want to ask you about remote work. How much of a part does remote work, uh, play in, in, into exit? Is it something that you recommend people do or is it more of a, um, you know, get off the grid, get back to to trades and and you know more more less digitally mediated forms of employment. No, it's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent. Choose your own adventure. It's it's because not everybody is going to be a farmer, and not everybody should be. And and um, the, the directions, the broad directions that I've identified that that seem to make sense are. Yes, trade jobs. Yes, like homesteading. Yes, entrepreneurship. But like, there are definitely people who just sort of by temperament um, are, are not interested in those paths. And like, I think if you're capable of um, learning to code and you, you want this kind of freedom, but you don't want to like take on the whole project of running a business then yeah, remote work is exactly where you need to be because that, that opens up your job market to the whole planet and it opens up where you can live to the whole planet. And I really think that we're, we're seeing an exodus. There's, a, there's an internal frontier in the States where all of these beautiful places on the inside of the country that used to be uh, not uninhabitable, but not practical for middle-class people to live in and have a career um, are opening up 
And so we've got tons of guys who are moving to Missouri and Arkansas and Tennessee um, and just sort of filling in the middle of the country. And, my, you know, my, my hope is that we don't um, poison those places. But um, I think uh, <laughs> my, my dream for myself and my family is to be somewhere that is so where like the, the, the hillbilly reputation is so deep that like coastal people would never want to live there. So I think West Virginia is good from that perspective, Oklahoma, Arkansas. Um, these are unbelievably beautiful places with really, really cool people. Um, and they have that stink on them and that's good. And I, I want it to stay that way. Um, would you consider? And I think people picture like, oh, would what's you, that? Would you consider moving anywhere outside of the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we have we have several people in Central Europe, Eastern Europe, um, and that seems to be a pretty good arrangement for folks that uh, can can handle the culture shock. I, you know, I, I don't know enough about the political situation over there to like authoritatively tell people like, yes, it's so based over there and it's going to stay based. And like, that's, you know, I'm not going to. No, and it's so different um, country to country and things are shifting yeah. rapidly that it's very hard to predict. You know, it's, uh, I think it, the people are just essentially more based because, you know, it's hard to say they're, they're more backward in, in, in good ways and in bad ways. You know, they're just not so exposed to, to, you know, all of the stuff that we're exposed to. Yeah. Um, so they're naturally based, <laughs> but, uh, that's, you know, that's always a, a tenuous equil- equilibrium, uh, and, and forces beyond our control are coming from, from the globalist American empire, uh, every day. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very hard to, to say what's, what's going to happen. And like, you know, Eastern Europe is, is already a super volatile place in terms of politics. So could be, could go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. But it's usually, we usually take our directions from the European Union here. So whatever happens in the EU uh, is coming here soon enough. Yeah, I think it's more of a question of how do you want to live versus like what political environment do you want to be in? If that makes sense, like there's, there's so many variables outside of like policy questions that people have to consider. Like we've got guys who are looking at, who are looking at Serbia, who are looking at, um, Poland, Hungary, um, Belize. And, you know, like, (laughs) ultimately I think, you know, before you look at like, who's the president over there or whatever, you should be looking at like, what's the weather like, you know what I mean? Like, like, do you, and like, what are the people like, do you want to live there? Like it's, you know, people kind of, I think, I think at first blush, they view this from like kind of a LARPy perspective. And like, I think that's just the wrong approach. Like it, you know, treat it like any other move, be an adult about it. And, and so like, there's definitely guys who, for them, that's the dream. And I trust them to do their homework and, and figure out that that's the dream. Um, and I'm just there to make it happen, you know, to, to, to connect them with whatever resources I can connect them with. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage or discourage any particular landing place cool 
Yeah, I think that's, you know, I think for, for some people it, it, it can work to come here. But like you said, it, it is pretty much a culture shock. There's also no trad wife farm. Just want to confirm this. There's no farm where trad wives are grown. <laughs> um, just for some people keep asking me. No, we do not grow. <laughs> uh, we well, I mean, one of one of my one of my guys was uh, lives in Central Europe and was talking about how plots of land are measured in hectares. And they're very small, like to the, 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 the continent has been under such intensive cultivation for so long and expectations of like scale are so different there that like, if you want the, uh, if you want the big sprawling homestead, it kind of has to be here or at least not in Europe. And that's just, you know, maybe an expectation that people don't have. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, there are little things like that can be a a big shock. Yeah. I think also, especially um, farming is, it's it's probably not very um, monetarily feasible in many places. I know like in the UK, it's very hard to farm, but here it's just, it's, you know, the return on investment is very low. So that you have these mega farms that, you know, and, and also you have food imports from the rest of Europe, which is highly subsidized by the EU. So farmers here can barely survive. And they're like literally doing subsistence farming because, you know, there's, you can't compete with the big farms. So, yeah. Right. The way, the way that homesteading works here to the extent that it works is you're selling to rich people who want the raw organic, like, you know, you can move, you can move a gallon of raw milk for 10 bucks here. And, uh, a dozen, yeah, a dozen raw eggs for, you know, six or seven bucks. And those are, those are not, you know, market prices. Those are like fancy pants farmers market prices. And, and so like, if the, uh, if the bottom falls out of the economy, um, you know, you're not going to be living the way that you're living on your like quote unquote farm. (laughs) It's, it's it's going to be very very different, and so um, so yeah. There's there's a there's a realization of like what does independence mean? What does sovereignty mean? What are you really buying? There's a lot of angles to it. It's a lot deeper than. It's a harder decision than I think some people anticipate. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, we have we have fourteen chickens and a cow, and we're looking at getting pigs and like if you find that way of life beautiful and you can, um, and you can afford it, like, God bless you. Let's do it. I'm all about it. But like, it's not, you know, um, there's a reason people who can code code. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I've talked to a few friends of mine who are, who are homesteading and, you know, they can do it if they also code. <laughs> so it's yeah, like- exactly. Exactly. That's kind of for, for those. Um, I I definitely have, we we have a handful of friends who are, uh, full-time essentially farmers and homesteaders. Um, but again, it's not, they're not really competing with Walmart for eggs. Yeah. Um, and so like you have to view it like, so the, the, the shrimp farming thing, we had this, had this meme in the group about shrimp farming. We're all going to make $325,000 growing shrimp in the bathtub. And um, I actually 
I actually do think that it was, it was a 4chan meme. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the guys were sort of joking about it in the group. And I said, well, I'll go, I'll go figure that out. So I went and found the, one of the biggest domestic shrimp farmers in the country. And I learned that it's about hundred K to start up. It's profitable in like three years. Um, but it actually, like, if you have that kind of capital and that kind of time to make something work, it actually is a pretty good passive income stream once you get it running. And, um, we have one guy in the group who's actually kind of in the investment exploratory type phase with that project. So like people are really doing it. It's just, you know, it's complicated and there are trade-offs and, um, it's, uh, but, but it is, it is really cool to watch, like, you know, we don't, we don't let our memes be dreams here at exit. We, we make them happen. (laughs) So it's pretty cool to watch. Yeah, it's it's a really exciting project, and I'm 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 happy you came on to to explain it to people. At the moment, I think is it, is it limited to people from from the U.S.? No, we got some Aussies. We got a guy in China. We got people all throughout Central Europe. It's oh. uh, it's everywhere. It's harder for the Europeans to make the evening calls, um, but uh, but we actually, as a matter of fact, um, as soon as I get off the call, I'm going to jump onto our Europe call. Um, right. which is at a more reasonable time for them. So that, yeah, I would say there's probably 15 or 20 who are outside the U.S. Oh, nice. Excellent. So, well, that's, yeah. I, I want to direct all of uh, my male listeners who are interested in this project to, to go check it out and, uh, and sign up and, uh, and also listen to the Exit podcast. You, you guys have a podcast now. That's right. Exitgroup.podbean.com is the podcast and exitgroup.us is the website. Excellent. And at Extra Dead JCB on Twitter is uh, is a, an excellent, wonderful, marvelous poster uh, that everyone. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on. If you like what you're hearing, want to see where I take it, and maybe want early access to episodes, bonus episodes, access to the AMA, or you just want to support the cause of dissident speech or my work in general, head to my Patreon at patreon.com slash aksubversive. Your donations are what keeps the lights on and makes the show possible, so thank you.